church needs that, yeah. right? And uh, we've, we've got, uh, got that as well, and so I'm very thankful for that. Turn your Bible, if you would, to Mark chapter 3. I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm honored again to be here. I'm looking forward to um, fellowshipping uh, with my friends here. Brother, Brother Jake Potter is a dear friend of mine, and, and Brother Brian. I'm glad we could be together. Mark chapter 3 is such a great chapter. I, I, love, I love the front part of this chapter. I love the, 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 the middle part. And I love the end part. Just a great. I preached through the Gospel of Mark a few years ago. I think it was 2019, some into 2020, of course. Then the pandemic came and that interrupted. So I went online, preached the rest of it. Uh, but I, I, um, I love the Gospel of Mark. It took me a little while to get through all these chapters. But one of my favorite chapters to preach through was Mark chapter 3. Jesus is in this synagogue and, and he's, he's teaching in this synagogue and preaching. And the, of course the Pharisees, the Herodians, the scribes, they hated Jesus and wanted to interrupt his ministry. Matter of fact, they wanted to scheme and actually kill him. Matter of fact, in this chapter later on, they're, they're wanting to kill Jesus. Now the, the Pharisees and the Herodians hated one another, but the one thing they had in common was they both hated Jesus. And so when they could catch Jesus in a scheme, they, or at least try to trap him, uh, they would try to accuse him. And that's exactly what they're doing here in, in chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, And when he entered again into the synagogue, there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath or they, that they might accuse him. So, so the whole scheme here is that they, wanted, they didn't care about the man with the withered hand. All they cared about was Jesus actually breaking the Sabbath. They wanted to catch Jesus on one of these gotcha moments. And so I believe that this man with the withered hand maybe was snatched out of the public and maybe paid a little bit to bring him to the synagogue so that they would accuse Jesus if Jesus did heal him. He was a plant, if you will. Verse number 3, And he saith unto the man with the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, it is, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth, and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with the disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Amadea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, and great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him, and spake to his disciples, that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. An unclean spirit, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain and called unto him whom he would and they came unto him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I'm thankful for the safety that you've provided. And Lord, all the folks that's praying back home. And uh, Lord, we thank you for souls that were saved both here and uh, Lord in South Carolina. And Lord, all the things that's went on today. And Lord, I know I'm preaching to people that are weary and my body and my flesh is is weary today. But Lord, I'm thankful that you give us strength. And Lord, even you're strong when we're weak. 
And Lord, I'm thankful that we can come and gather tonight and uh, just gather around the Word of God. Worship. I love the singing. I love what I heard as I walked in the door. And I'm thankful for that. And I pray that you'll give me strength and clarity of mind. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus was surrounded by disagreement. Controversy swirled everything that the Lord did. And it seemed that everything that Jesus did, the religious Jews was angry about. They hated him even the more. Jesus did these uh, miracles and every word and every work that was placed under the microscope of these religious Jews. They, they hated the very fact that Jesus would heal someone and they hated the very fact that Jesus would eventually go to the cross. They hated the fact that Jesus declared himself the bread of life and the son of God. They hated all of these things and just a reminder, they're mad that Jesus forgave a man's sins in Mark chapter 2. They're, they're mad that Jesus ate a meal with sinners in Mark chapter 2. They're mad that he refused to honor their rituals in Mark chapter 2. Uh, they're mad that he's actually allowed his disciples to pick and eat grain in Mark chapter 2. So Mark chapter 2, there was a lot of things that angered the Pharisees. And that leads us to Mark chapter 3 with a... A battle that takes place inside of a synagogue. This man with the withered hand, he's inside this, this uh, synagogue and Jesus begins to teach. And this man, uh, these Pharisees are watching as Jesus is teaching. And they're, they're watching to see if Jesus is going to heal this man. Jesus picks up, of course, he knows their hearts and he knows what's going on. And so Jesus sees what's going on and he can see inside the heart. And may I remind you this evening, River City, that Jesus knows the heart right now. We can sing a song and we can preach a message and we can worship and we can even dress the part and we can act the part, but Jesus actually knows the heart. And he knew the heart of these Pharisees and the Bible says that he was angry. He's angry at them at first, but then his heart breaks because he knows, and he says here in the text, because of the hardness of their heart. Their heart was uh, the word porosis. It, it was a hardness like a marble. It was so hard. It would be like you on this concrete floor, pounding your fist on the floor. It would be that hard. And these Pharisees had a very hard heart. By the way, it would take a hard heart to go grab a crippled man to bring him to a church service only to try to trip up the preacher how hard would that be now there's people out there that are evil but that's beyond evil and let me tell you the meanest people you'll ever meet in your life is not the drunk on the street it's not the drug addict on the corner the hardest meanest people you'll ever meet sometimes sit on a pew let me tell you something I've encountered some pretty rough characters in my life I've knocked on some pretty rough doors, and I've went in some very rough places. But let me tell you, I've never been talked to and treated like I've been treated by the religious crowd. They will eat you up and spit you out. And this crowd has met Jesus, and they hated him. I want you to know, first thing, in verses 1 and 2, we see the hardness of these Pharisees, the hard heart of the Pharisees. It says in verse 1, as he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man with a withered hand, and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might use him. That was the whole purpose, to accuse our Savior. That was their plan. We hear that they've 
withered. This man had no doubt injured his hand. I don't know if he was born this way, but some uh, Christian historians believe that he actually had his hand crushed in an injury and he was in pain and it had withered and lost muscle and use in that hand. And They, they had a problem though. These these Pharisees had a problem because the Bible says in verse 5, And when he had looked around about them on, with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Jesus asked them a very simple question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And, and by the way, they have no answer. Because any answer that they give Jesus would have given a contradicting uh, thing of their own. Their own teaching would have been contradicted. And the problem with these men and with people like them today is that they could care less about the needs of the poor. They didn't care about this man with a withered hand. All they cared about was tripping up Jesus. They had a problem. We see their plot in verse number 6. The Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. This is a bad, bad way to be. Let me ask you a question tonight, River City. Examine your heart tonight because I've, I've only preached this at our church to my knowledge and it's been years ago and as I was driving down the road, uh, the, matter of fact, there's two or three messages in Mark chapter 3. Matter of fact, that in, in one of the messages I was going to preach, Brother Brian, I was going to preach the, the back side of Mark chapter 3 and, and maybe another time, but, but the Lord had another way. And I was looking at my own heart driving down the road this morning or this evening driving down 95 and then getting on this little bypass here and as I was coming Lord what would you have me preach I've been wrestling with it all day matter of fact we had two morning services this morning and in between the 830 and the 11 I went to the office and my wife we share an office uh, on, on another side she she was across the way there and I said honey can I preach to you for a few minutes she had already been in one service, so she kind of rolled her eyes a little bit. Now, uh, but uh, I, I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling with what to preach this evening. And I said, could I preach to you a little bit? And so I opened up my Bible and just shared with her some thoughts out of what I'm basically preaching to you this evening. And I said, you know, is there anything in me as my wife, is there anything in me that you see about my heart that you wish was different? You live with me. My wife outside of the Lord knows me better than any other human in, on this planet. She sees me on my good days, sees me on my bad days. And I ask her, honey, before I go preach this down at River City, is there anything that you see about my life? I know I'm a preacher. I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm a dad and a, a husband. But, but is there anything you see that you think is suspect or that I need to confess now before God? I said, I know my heart and I try to make it right. But do you see something? And she said, honey, before God, I, I don't know anything as your wife that I would see. And I said, because I don't want to go to River City tonight and preach something and be hypocritical and then I asked God the same thing on the way down here Lord is there anything in my heart that I would preach tonight hardness toward any individual toward any person 
toward any person that's left our church, toward any staff member that's left our church, toward any other preacher that maybe has said something through the years or someone that maybe uh, uh, stabbed you in the back or hurt you along the way. Is there anyone that I would have some hardness in my heart toward? Lord, if there is, forgive me. You know what we call that? We call that bitterness. Let me tell you something. Bitterness, if you're not careful when we have that hardness in our heart and we don't deal with it, we don't confess it, it turns into a bitter, ugly stench. And by the way, you might cover it up for a while, but it will come out. And if we're not careful, it will cause our hearts to become hardened. Here's another heart that's on display. There's three hearts on display in this just this front part of this text. The first heart is the hardness of the Pharisees, their heart. But the second is the holy heart of the Savior. I want you to notice in, in the text here in verse number 3, here's the command of the Savior. He says, He saith unto the man with the withered hand, Stand forth. So Jesus, despite the opposition in the room, Jesus tells this man with a withered hand, no doubt he's there and it's very obvious that his hand, and I'm sure this man is in pain. And Jesus says, sir, if you would stand forth, and the man stands up. Now listen, I, I didn't have a withered hand, but I had a withered soul. And I'm thankful that 27 years ago, Jesus saw my withered soul and he had compassion. I was the son of a preacher. I'm a PK. I'm, my dad's been the pastor of the same church for 39 years. He's been a faithful man. But you know what? At the age of 13, I needed the same Jesus that everybody else needed. And he saw my withered hand, or my withered soul rather, and he stand forth. And I stood up that night, March the 15th, 1993. I stood up, lost. And guess what? He saved me by his wonderful grace. This man here is seeing the compassion of our Savior and his command to stand forth. The Lord saves a soul. He does this for his own glory. He expects that saved person to stand forth, to give a testimony of his goodness. And listen, anytime you have an opportunity, guess what you ought to do? You ought to stand forth. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. It is the power of God. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. We need to stand forth on our job. Hey, when Jesus tells, we need to stand forth. I preached this morning. I'm preaching through the gospel of John. I preached out of John chapter 9 this morning on that blind man that met Jesus. And guess what? That man, in verse 25, he says, I, I know not this man. I'm not sure if he's a sinner or not, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I see he had a story, didn't he? And guess what? Every one of us, if we're saved tonight, we have a story. We ought to stand forth. Jesus, in his command, he tells these, this man with the withered hand to stand forth. But then we see a confrontation. Because Jesus, in verse 4, it saith, he saith unto them, It is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their Peace. Now let me say this, Jesus was angry. By the way, there is such a good, there's a, such a thing as a righteous anger. The problem is, in, in our sinful conditions, we usually get angry at the wrong things. We get angry at other brothers and sisters in Christ. We get angry at people over political things. We get angry at people over little squabbles in the church. We get angry over stuff. And you know what? The last thing we get angry about is our sin. We're angry at everybody else's sin. 
Jesus looks at these Pharisees and he sees the hardness of their heart. And by the way, it angers him because he knows they don't care about him. They care about them. It angers them. But then it, it does something else. It says in, in verse number 5, And when he looked around about them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of the heart, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth. He was grieved by it. He's angry, but he's also grieved by the hardness of the heart. You know, there's such thing as grieving. We ought to be grieved by sin. I know this, there's such thing as grieving the Holy Spirit of God. You come in this evening, I know y'all are having a, what we call a revival or an awakening conference where we, we, we awaken something that's maybe dormant, something that's dead. And sometimes it's our heart that needs to be awakened. And if we're not careful, we'll come into a good church like this on a Sunday evening and this place is full and, and worship was rich and wonderful and I'm sure the preaching this morning was dynamic and powerful and we take it for granted and guess what? We grieve or quench the Spirit of God. We don't even deal with our own sin. And we're worried about the brother or the sister on the back row. Well, so-and-so should have been here. Boy, I tell you what, they needed that message. How many times have we thought that? Boy, I wish sister so-and-so was here because she sure could have used a dose of that. Oh, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. We see his confrontation, but then we see lastly, there's another heart displayed in this text. And I want you to look with me in verse number 7. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude, notice this, great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and Imadea, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. Now these people are thronging, they're pressing against Jesus, they, they see what he's done, he's healed this man. They're, they can't get enough. And you'll see why. He goes into a small ship. And, and I even preach, I've, I've thought about preaching a message even this evening on the pressures that come with a faithful ministry. It's right here. I mean, he couldn't even eat. They go into his house and even his own family tries to control Jesus. They try to grab him and, and, and restrain him, if you will. Jesus could not even think straight because of the crowd. Everywhere he went, they were just, it, it, he, they were everywhere. And there's pressures that come along with faithful ministry. But here there was some that were needy. And I say this, we see a hopeful heart of the needy. These people saw something in Jesus that was not in them. Notice in verse number 10, For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him. Some of them just wanted to touch him. As many as had plagues... I'm sure there was others there with, with withered hands and maybe withered arms and feet and, and fingers and maybe writhing in pain. Maybe they were blind. Maybe they were uh, just all kinds of maybe mental problems. But look at verse 11, and unclean spirits. So they were filled with devils. And when they saw him, notice this, they fell down before him and cried saying, Thou art the Son of God. Such power. They saw something in this man that they had never seen in anyone else. And their needy hearts saw something in Jesus 
that no other man had ever done for them. And let me say, Jesus can do that for your heart tonight. You say, well, it's been a while since I've shed tears. It's been a while since I stood forth. It's been a while since I've spoken the name of Jesus. Hey, guess what? There is a man that can do something for your heart, whether you're lost tonight or whether you're saved. Are you needy? You're in the right place. How's your heart? See, most of our problem in our churches and most of our problem, the reason we need an awakening is because we have a heart problem. we got a pride problem. And let me just say this, preachers need Jesus the most sometimes. Because we hear so much junk and we see so much junk and we deal with some, and then we have our own pride and we have our own arrogancy and we have our own stuff to battle. And guess what? If we're not careful, we will go and not deal with our heart ourselves. And by the way, then we get up in front of people and act like we got it all together. Let me say, I'm one of the needy tonight. I need sometimes to pull over and say, Lord, I need my heart fixed. And only you can do it. Sometimes I need to get away. If you'll notice, every time Jesus got away, he went to the mountains. By the way, it's a good thing. I love the mountains. Amen. He would go to the mountains. And even down here in verse number 12 or 13, look at what he does. He goeth up into a mountain. Jesus had to escape. He would go up into a mountain and he would call his disciples. And guess what? He gave them power over unclean spirit. You know what he was saying? Boys, I'm going to train you to do what I've been doing. And by the way, he names all of these disciples here. And the very last one he names will be the one that probably hurt him the most. Look at verse 19. By the way, Judas is always mentioned last in all of the list of the apostles. And every time Judas is mentioned, Judas is mentioned as the betrayer. You think he hurt Jesus? I believe he did. He was needy. Are you needy? Is there someone in here tonight that's needing something from Jesus? You need a touch tonight? Do you need some healing tonight? Do you need something tonight? You say, well, Pastor, I've been saved for 25 years. I've been saved for 30 years. I don't need what you're talking. Oh, no, no. You may be the one that needs something tonight. I'm not just talking to lost people, though if you're lost here this evening, I... I want you to get saved. But I'm talking to Christians in here tonight that your heart has not been dealt with. Jesus didn't, yes, he came to seek and to save. Yes, he was coming to the cross in Mark chapter 10, I believe it is in verse 45. Yes, the cross, Calvary was the end. Yes, he wanted to go to Calvary and die on the cross for our sins. But listen, he wanted to come for those that believed, those that needed strength and encouragement like you and me, to keep going, keep pressing, keep standing forth, keep spreading the gospel. And that's us tonight. We need uh, something from the Lord ourselves. Here's what they saw in Jesus. Verse 10, for he healed many and so much that they pressed upon him. They saw something. They saw that he had done for others and believed by faith that he could do the same for them. Hey, is there something in your family that you need tonight? Maybe a marriage, maybe wayward children. They saw something in Jesus. Look at verse number 10, what they sought from him. I'll tell you what we need tonight. We need people that will start seeking the Lord again. 
These people sought Him out. Seeking the Lord. Hey, if you'll seek Him, you'll find Him. David was a man after God's heart. He was after God's heart. He was seeking the Lord. He was running after God. Hey, we got to seek Him. Guess where we'll find Him? Well, you're at a good place tonight. But you're going to have to find Him in the morning. You're going to have to find Him on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Where? In the Word. Through prayer, through a personal relationship, through talking with Him, through speaking to Him. Hey, seeking the Lord. Hey, wanting more of Christ. And that's exactly, the Bible says in verse 10, they pressed upon Him. They wanted to experience His healing power. Can I ask you this this evening? Do you want to experience the true power of God? I didn't drive all the way down here just to see Brian, though I love Brian. I'm glad he invited me. I didn't just come down here to see Jake. Certainly not. (laughs) I came down here this evening because I believe there's a group of people in Jacksonville that want to seek the Lord. I believe in this church. I believe in this church because I believe in your pastor. He has a heart for this community. This man seeks the Lord. He's got a heart for this place. He's got a heart for this church. He's got a heart for your family. And guess what? So does the Lord. And so should you have a heart for Him. I was preaching in Burlington, North Carolina several years ago. It's been 2019. I've preached there several times. But this church, the Kimesville Road Baptist Church, invited me to come preach on a Wednesday night. They had a different preacher every night. Monday night, Tuesday night. I was the Wednesday night preacher. What was interesting about this meeting was I was already preaching a meeting in Bryson City, North Carolina, which is five hours away from this church. And uh, sometimes I get myself in those predicaments. I don't really look at the map and look at the schedule, and I think, how and why did I do this? So I had to leave Tuesday, or Wednesday rather, and drive uh, down to to, to Burlington and drive back to Bryson City the next day. So I I was kind of in a bad spirit when I got to Burlington I was like, why did I do this? But when I pulled up, there was cars. It was a great church. Lots of folks. Good church. Wonderful choir. I got there a few minutes late, believe it or not. And I walked in the back door. uh, And and I I was kind of set on the back row. And I was watching. I was enjoying it. I was asking forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for my bad spirit on the way here. And and questioning you and questioning everything I've done. And so uh, I get up to preach. I preach out of Mark chapter because at that time I was preaching through Mark's gospel and so it was fresh and I was just like hey, I'm just going to preach what I've been preaching at my church and I was preaching about those and I believe I have the text right how those men, those friends had brought this man to Jesus and they lower him through that house they tore them shingles off and were lowering their friend to Jesus and I was just preaching on bringing your friends and bringing whatever it is to Jesus he can t- I can't even remember the, the whole gist of the message but it was bringing what you can to Jesus he can fix it and, uh, and just right at the very end of the message I mean I have not closed I was kind of in the in the uh, about where I'm at right now, on the tail end, about to give an invitation. And the place, again, was full, but they only had two big sections, one here, and there was a middle row right here, and then one right here, but it was a shotgun auditorium, really long, like a mile long, and it was completely full from the front to the back. There must have been four or 500 people there. 
In the middle section, or on the, on the side, in the middle, on the right side, there was this big guy. He had to be, and I'm not exaggerating, he had to be six foot four, six foot five, huge beard, and he had overalls on and a white t-shirt. He stands up in the middle of the message and he looks at me and says, Who told you I'd be here tonight? He might as well have said, Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood. I mean, it was loud. And he was the burliest guy I had not. Listen, he had, he had uh, overalls on and Crocs. And I looked at him and said, you must be kin to Jake Potter. And I didn't say that. <laughs> Big old guy. He said, who told you I'd be here tonight? And, and of course, they had a big wooden pulpit so I kind of get behind the pulpit and I and the pastor's sitting right here brother Brian and and uh, and I'm expecting the pastor or the security people or somebody to intervene nobody moved nobody so I just look at everybody and like I look at this section here hoping he would go away he ain't going away he's still standing there and he says how did you know I'd be here tonight again and so I'm like, I have to address this guy. So I look at him and I say, sir, I've never seen you before. That's exactly what I said. I don't know you. Therefore, I'm not preaching to you tonight. Now you can have a seat. And he steps out in the center aisle. He says, come down here and look me in my eyes. That's what he said. Well, I do know karate. So I'm like, I'm going to kick him in the shin, and then I'm going to run like a woman out the door, screaming like a woman. So I'm expecting the pastor to, honestly, I'm expecting the pastor to stand up and say, okay, all right, sir, you know, never moved. Never moved. Like he's sitting here like this. And I'm just like, preacher, it's your church. You invited me. Do something. Nobody's moving. So I grab my Bible, and I'm praying on the way down. It's like this, and I, and I get down here, and I walk to the middle, and there's this guy, and he's huge. It's on video. People were calling the police thinking that there was a shooter. Literally, they were scared to death. It's, it was on live stream. And I'm standing there in front of this guy looking up at him, and everybody's, the people crying. And, and I get close to this guy, and I notice through that big beard he had that his chin's quiver. And his eyes are full of water. I didn't see it back there. But the closer I got, he's, he's broken. And here's what he said. For 29 years, I've been searching for something. That's exactly what he said. For 29 years. He said, I've lost everything in my life. I've lost my wife, I've lost my job, I've lost my children. He said, I've lost everything and my sister invited me to church tonight. How did you know I'd be here? And I said, sir, I didn't know you'd be here, but the Holy Ghost of God knew you'd be here. He said, I needed exactly what you preached tonight. I need that. My heart is empty. That big old man that could have eat me up and spit me out. He could have picked me up and that preacher up and half the deacon board up. I mean, he was huge. That man fell to his knees on that altar 
And he started raising his hands to God. And he said, God, I don't know, but I need you if you'd take this old wicked sinner. About that time, some men in the church gathered around that man and was praying with that man. There was a young man in the very back in his 20s. He, he came over here and finally the preacher moved, you know. And, and he comes over here and starts praying with the, this young man. And that young man got saved. And this man stands up, this big old man. And he said, Whew. he said, I've never felt like this before. You say, preacher, what happened to that man? He had an encounter with Jesus. Some of you that are trying to fill that heart with everything this world has to offer, all you're going to do is run into empty promises, brick walls. You're going to run into every disappointment there is. You're going to try to run here and run there. And you need to be like that crowd in verse 10 and 11. You need to run to him because you see what he's done in other people. And he can do that for you tonight. My prayer tonight is that all of us will seek the Lord. By the way, you need to seek Him while He may be found. One day there will be people that will try to seek Him, but it will be too late. And here tonight, if you are empty, empty tonight, searching, looking, you can be just... And by the way, there's a great story to the end of that story. This past September... I was in another church in that area. It had been three years. I would not seen that man before. I would not preached in that church since. Matter of fact, when they called, I said, yeah, I'm busy. No, I'm joking. That's a little too dramatic for me. No, it was great. But I was preaching in another church in that area. On the back row, I done forgot, in a way, of that story. And not forgot it, but I would kind of put it out of my mind. Preached that after, after the service, people are up here in the altar. And, and uh, they're leaving, and we're shaking hands and hugging, and about to head on home, and there's this big old guy standing here. He said, hey, you remember me? This is just a few months ago. I said, I do, vaguely. He said, I was the guy that stood up in your message. He said, you see that woman right there? That's my wife. Amen. He was on a row full of family. Guess what? He said, I'm still in church, still serving the Lord. Hey, you know what? He met Jesus. And guess what? You can too. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this evening. How's your heart tonight? How's your heart tonight, church? Hey, ask yourself this question. You say, Pastor, I've been saved before. Hey, that's wonderful. Is you, are you seeking the Lord? Are you still hungry for the things of God? Do you have compassion? And then there's some of you in here this evening that may be, listen, you may be tonight empty. You may be wanting something tonight that just says, you know what? Whatever that man said tonight, whatever is going on, I need what he preached tonight in my heart. I need to meet Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you this question here, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Brian. Who would say this tonight? Pastor, I know without a doubt, I know without a doubt that I've had an encounter with Jesus and that if I were to die tonight, that I would go to heaven. I know that I'm saved by God's grace. Would you lift your hand this evening as a testimony? I know I'm saved. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You can put your hands down this evening. Thank you for being sincere and thank you for being honest. Then who would say this? Pastor, I was unable to raise my hand this evening. I'm not sure that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not sure. 
be, be honest now. Be sincere about it. I'm not sure that I know Christ as my Savior. Would you do this for me? Would you be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I know Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up so I could pray for you? Would you do that this evening and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Listen, here's what I'd love to do for you. I'd love to introduce you. Now, I wouldn't embarrass you, wouldn't stand you up. I wouldn't uh, say, you know, say something or give a testimony. What I would do is say, hey, I want to show you the one that has, that has changed my life and that changed this man's life. And by the way, changed that man in the Bible, the man with the withered hand changed his life. And he can do the same for you. If you're like that this evening, and you mean it, and you understand that Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, he's the one that died for you, he's the one that shed his blood for you, he's the one that wants to change you. By faith, you can accept him today. Who would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to be. I'd like to know Jesus and know him personally. Would you raise your hand this evening? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Pastor, pray for me. I'd love to be saved this evening. Anybody like that at all? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Brian, and I'm going to let Brother Brian take control of the, of the invitation. But I would love for you, listen, don't leave this building this evening and not know for sure that you're saved. Not know for sure you're saved. Brother Brian, won't you come and take control of the service if you would? If we could, we're going to have a closing song and uh, invitation. Hey, listen, church, this is for us too. Um, you know, he asked two really great questions. One, uh, if I searched my heart and asked God if there's something between me and him, would there be something that I would want to need to take care of? That's a great question. That's a revival question. Search me, oh God, know my heart. And you know what? Even if you don't know of anything, you could come and ask that question directly to the Lord. Be a great way to start, wouldn't it? Maybe just on our knees before God asked that question. Number two, he asked the question, do you need him? Is there something that you need from God? Your family, a prayer request. What a great opportunity to do that tonight. Certainly, if you're not, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we want to help you with that. We want to talk to you about that, speak to you about that. And I'll be available or several around here that can help you with that. And we'd love to do that. So, church, as we sing this last closing song, uh, let's come. Let's make use of the altars and pray and ask God to take this message and, and burn it in our hearts. Let's sing if we could.